This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. I mean, you know, listen, Thomas was made to do this. And, um, you know, he is, he is, has a great football mind. He has the strongest leadership qualities that you could ask for in a coach. Um, and so I'm, I can't emphasize how excited I am for Thomas. Um, this is just the next step. You know, he's a, he's a, He's a young, he's young, relatively speaking, young age-wise. Not young in the coaching profession, but I think there's a reason why, at his age, he has ascended to this position so quickly. Because you just get around him for five minutes, and you know, you can feel it from him. That's Frank Reich talking about his new play caller, Thomas Brown. We'll have those duties. We're getting ready to create the Thomas Brown to-do list. What would you like to be seen done differently? What would you like to see more of? With the new play caller, again, I'm not expecting Bo, and all of a sudden we look like the Dolphins. It's like, wow, holy crap. Wow. Not expecting that. Um, wow. uh, <laughs> uh, I just like saying that when you talk. Wow. <laughs> mm, mm. <Like>, Zoinks. <laughs> all right, anyway, I'm not expecting that, but what do you want to see? What, do you, what would be your number one or two things that you would put on a list for Thomas Brown to do? I do want to talk about Thomas Brown for a second. Dude is impressive. Like when you hear him talk, like oh, he, yeah. he sounds like he has command of things. He knows the game. He communicates it well. He's very impressive. And by the way, his first game of play calling will be against a Houston team who he interviewed for their head coaching job. So throw that into the intrigue. We already got Stroud Young. Throw that into the intrigue of this game as well. And I'm a big fan of his TNT mantra. TNT takes no talent. I thought you were going to say he knows drama. He <laughs> No, he believes you got to do the things that TNT, that take no talent. Ooh. And unfortunately, we don't do a lot of them. Now, we got better at him this past week. We didn't turn it over. We didn't commit penalties. So he, he's like, that's the stuff that you should be able to do regardless of your skill level, which incidentally, Bone, is perfect for our team because <laughs> some players might not be the most talented. Mac, he was in college uh, as a player at Georgia and then part of their program from uh, coaching wise from 2011 until 2000 and for, he was in college 2011 until 2020. Then we got to the pros. He was part of Sean McVay's staff. So his pro experience has been under the tutelage prior to this year of Sean McVay. You have to pick up something when you're around Sean McVay to that level. I don't know. What's the old thing called? Uh, the old Oz, uh, Osmosis thing that yes, yeah. yes, that old you, osmosis. You have to figure you have to figure that there's some football osmosis going on here when you're around Sean McVay for that one in terms of play calling. You have to at least figure that out. He's got a lot of disciples calling plays around the league, a lot of disciples that have become head coaches already. Yep. So that's a tree. That's a tree that's branching and blooming right now. Yep. So let's do the to-do list. By the way, Ashley Strohline, Stroh Show, she's back at work. I saw her doing pressers, so she's back at work after her surgery. Flounder is back at work and just devouring a Chick-fil-A mm -hmm. biscuit right now. He's doing good. He's called somebody a jackass or whatever, so he's back feeling good. But let's focus on our to-do list for, for Thomas Brown. The first thing you said, Bo, when we started talking about this morning was, give me Chuba Hubbard. 
we've gotten texts that have said that. So that's got to go on our list. If we're making a list for Thomas Brown is run Chuba, man, make him the feature back. Forget about the contract that you're paying Miles Sanders and just do what's best for this team. Right. That's got to be on the list. Chuba's really bulked up, hasn't he? Remember when he first yeah, got he here, on. any contact behind the line of scrimmage, it was pretty much done. He was. He would go down, but man, he's gotten bigger and better. Chuba, to me, looks more of like a number one right now than Miles Sanders has all season. Now, if you can get Sanders going and have a nice combo, why yeah, that doesn't yeah. hurt. But right now, Chuba is the guy I trust more than Miles I Sanders. I want him to have more carries. Yep. Um, now, I, do I want Chuba running pass patterns? I still don't think that's necessarily his strength. And let Miles do that sort of stuff. Yep. I think he's better at that. Find a way to, like, fit the two together. But, like, when it comes to who carries the ball more, like, I don't know if there's anybody in Charlotte that's not related to Miles Sanders that, that doesn't want Chuba to have that workload right now. Uh, I've, uh, you know, I've said this over and over again, but but the bootleg boots and wires. I just want to see the boots. Boots. I want to see them. I want to see the old boots. Give me, scoop, Bryce, give me some boots and waggles. <laughs> boots and waggles. Yeah, waggle too ain't bad. But uh, you saw it the other day. Now I didn't know Tommy Tremble was going to hurdle, but like I just like the idea of getting Bryce out of the pocket. That pocket, you know, isn't always clean for him. I think he's the seventh most pressured quarterback according to PFF. And just get him out there. And you know, maybe it's a run pass option. Maybe he could take off. Maybe if he as a point guard. Get him out there and let him draw the defense and make the pass. Or if the defense doesn't commit to him, he drives the paint. Like, I really think it's a point guardy type yep. thing. If you can get him out there and then you have the tight end on the low level, you have a wide receiver coming high level. I just think there's a lot of things you can do with bootlegs. Now, you do have to get the run game going, right, for them to honor the bootleg. If not, they ain't going to care if you play fake it. They're just going to, oh, go ahead and hand it off. We'll be out here waiting for Bryce. But if you get the running game going, that's why I think the boot works so good, Bone, on Sunday is they had the running game going and then they hit you with that play action boot. What about a better? I'd love to see that. Better offensive tempo. Play with uh, more tempo. Oh, yeah. Mix, they did some early yeah. on Sunday, man. But and Bryce mix, has been good at this. Mix and match more. I'm not saying you you go fast and the furious here and you go too fast. You're not going to be Miami in terms of your actual the talent level speed. But in terms of just what you're getting to the line and mix it up a little bit, the defense is never on their heels. We are not fast and the furious, man. That is not the offense that they play. It's more like Downton Abbey uh, type pace at times. We need to find a balance there of sometimes you speed it up, sometimes you don't. I feel like the defenses always know they're going to get to the line. They're going to wait until it gets down to one or two. They need a, a quicker pace overall. Oh, and they know that. On Sunday, they came out of the gate. Frank talked about it. Yeah. With tempo. Yep. You know, they, so they, they know. They, they And I said this last week. I, I said Bryce is played really well at tempo. Now, granted, it was late in games, late in games against New Orleans and Detroit, but I wanted to see it, and I, I still want to see more of it, and I'm pretty sure they got the memo on that. Uh, I would really, because it's, it's dangerous to do that against Miami, but we got some opponents coming up where you really don't fear if you turn the ball back over to their offense no. quite as much. No. You, well, know? you mentioned a guy in there. Look, I thought Hayden Hurst was going to be one of their better signings. I was wrong. There's still time, but I... It's not doing much for me right now. Tommy Trembles showed flashes the last couple of games. Maybe you get more, him more involved. We talked about what a freakish athlete he is. We have not seen it, but if Trembles is going to make plays where he's leaping over guys and catch touchdowns, I, I, let's dial some more things up for Tremble as we go Tremble on. Tremble turned into a damn superhero for a minute, didn't he? That's that freakish athleticism yes. that we have heard touted and I believe might have touted ourselves at one yes. point. And it's like, but we don't ever really see it, right? Well, there we saw it. So I think that somebody says in general – they would like to see more tight end production. Yes. The question is, though, like, are they running plays where the tight end is your first or second option and they're not open? You know, like, yeah. Yeah, that's what, you know what I mean? Because Frank Reich traditionally wants the tight ends involved heavily. 
So have they run plays where the tight end is involved heavily? He's just not open. So, but I w it would be nice, right, to add that to your production. It really would be Here's nice. One more thing while we're talking here, and we're uh, certainly helping out Thomas Brown with the list that he's probably listening to right now during the during the bye week. As I, in my mind, and you may think I'm wrong here, I'm just kind of thinking in my mind of the plays that we've seen, which is mostly Adam Thielen catching passes. And we've talked a lot about the deep downfield stuff, which obviously with this offense is not really there. Do we do we see a lot of crosses over the middle where guys can catch it on the run and go? Not just run down the field straight line and hope that Shark catches a 40-yard bomb. What about crosses where we see Miami do it, but their speed's elite. But I mean, you what about Thielen, 27-yarder? Thielen had, what about the other the guys about Shark? We've Mark? seen Shark do it. It's, we it's, need a little more of that, though. No, we're we're that. not getting down the field. We, we can get ourselves Bryce, down the field. And Bryce throws that so well. He does. He throws a dart over the middle, and what he does is he's so accurate, he places it so you can keep running. Most of the time, yes. he did have one to Mingo. Maybe it was behind him or whatever. But most of the time, those passes over the middle are in stride. So I'd, would, I would like there. a lot of that. These guys yep. in stride, running with the football. Get us some because I think our 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 big plays come from usually an intermediate pass with rack. Right, an intermediate pass plus that rack yardage. We're not getting the big plays on the deep balls very often. I think Bryce is at three so far. Right in five starts. Uh, so that's the way you produce big plays. He had another one that was Chark in the slot, and he ran an in, and he was on the other side of the field by the time Bryce hit him. Almost looked like a corner route by yeah, the time yeah. he hit him, but that one was a 24-yard play. It's working. So, yeah, that, that's that's to me where our big plays are going to come from. We just need more of them. And if, you know? and if Sanders continues to struggle, Chenault has the high ankle sprain. That sucks because my I, my plan was going to have heavy Chenault in the plan for Thomas and, and Brown. And if he's, if he's out, we'll, we'll see what that is about. And Sanders is struggling here. We've said it time and time again. Hey, man, Tariq Cohen, Tariq Cohen can do some things that other guys simply can't do. I would like to see him at least get in there. I don't know if it can be sustained. I don't know exactly why he's not played at all yet, but I'd like to at least see because he's a guy that the defense has to account for. If Tariq Cohen's on the field, you could do so many things differently with him as a receiver, as a runner in the special teams game. He's just a guy you got to pay attention to. I'd like to see him get involved in there, if at all possible. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to see. Imagine a little swing pass to him. Or you line him up and he comes on a jet motion or something. Yes, There's got to yes. be things you can do with Tariq Cohen. At he least give it them. a shot. Give it a shot. What do you got to lose? This team needs more speed, do they not? They do. Well, they do. he's a guy that has I, that. I would get Shark involved in the run game, too. You know, I would get, if we don't have LaVisca, I would run jet sweeps and stuff like that. By the way, the Dolphins motion, we had a, t a caller yesterday talking about the Dolphins motion. I watched the defensive snaps of the Panthers back yesterday and really noticed it, like really paid attention. They got guys coming and calling. It's like it's like planes coming into Charlotte Douglas. Like it's crazy. But dude, they throw you off. Your eyes go over here. Next yeah. thing you know, there's a fast dude coming back this way with the ball. It was unbelievable some of the stuff that they had designed, man. You're you're looking one way and all of a sudden the other way. Tyreek Hill is in the end zone. It's crazy. Play. It's crazy. How about the one that went to Mostert as a swing pass, but the way they got the lead blocker out there, Smythe, the tight end, did that, like, what what the caller yesterday called CFL motion. Yeah. The weird looping around motion. And then he was out front, blocked the backer up. I think it was Grugier Hill. And then Mostert's in the end zone. I, that's Mostert's their backup running back right now. That's one of the things <laughs> that is depressing. I mean, he looked like a Hall of Famer against us, for God's sakes. His defense. But um, one of the things that is depressing, though, and I would ask Thomas Brown to get creative, right? Get creative with your play calls a little bit more. 
Um, for example, a lot we, of Tariq Cohen coming in right now. We're talking about the Dolphins. A lot of people want Tariq. Yep. Uh, how about the play that Ben Johnson ran? A guy that was, should I say, smart enough not to interview for the Panther head coaching guy? A guy that turned down the Panther head coaching interview, Ben Johnson in Detroit. Ran a play I'd never seen before in my life. Uh, snapped the ball, direct snap to the running back through the legs of Jared Goff. Jared Goff was under center, and the ball was snapped through his legs to the running back, and of course we gave up a, a decent-sized play. It's just, let's get frisky, Thomas Brown. Other guys are let's, just playing a completely different game than the Panthers. These guys are out there like a teenager on Madden. They don't give a damn. They get it to reset button, it seems I like. See let's him, get frisky. I want to see him run the play that Georgia ran against Vanderbilt on Saturday, Mac. Where the center accidentally bumbled the snap. And he, <laughs> did you see that one? He picked it up himself he, and ran. He picked it up and ran about eight yards and did a spin move along the way. I want to see Bradley Bozeman just take over the run game. Ross Tucker almost lost his shorts during that, that one. Was, huh? We all saw that same play. Yes. I saw that too. Yeah. Ross Tucker was so excited. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, the Bozy Ruski, man. I dropped that ball down there for old Bozy. Let him pick that baby up. Let's oh, get creative. Uh, yeah, a lot of people. This guy says, can Tariq Cohen run routes like Tyreek? No, let's calm down. Now. Let's calm down. I feel like he's kind of a scat back type. You know what I mean? Like swing him out of the back for you, a little Texas route, option route, wheel route, and then maybe get him involved in some some running too. I think that Tyreek Hill. Type. I think he drinks jet fuel. I, I don't know how a man is that fast. It it is insane it watching really his speed. Is, By the way, we didn't talk much yesterday. It annoyed the crap out of me. But at, but once we start blowing the lead, everything started annoying me again. I was so happy at fourteen zero for the first time in a long time as a Panther fan. And then I just went back to realities. I get get clubbed with the reality stick. But what did you think about the celebration by Tyreek Hill that he did he did on us where he grabs the phone and he's shooting video? Like, was that a planned stunt? Had to had to had to. Well, first of all, he kind of Tyreek Hill knew he was getting to the end zone at some point in the right side of the field. So they told that guy have the video ready to go. I'm coming because he grabbed it and that guy was way too excited to have his cell phone. Now, and it wasn't a coincidence that he ran all the way there, saw the guy, grabbed it. You don't plan. I mean, in my experience back at football. And my runs to the end zone. You don't all of a sudden get there or see a cell phone, grab it, and backflip. That has to be something that he's thought of or talked to the guy about. That's and Trey Green and Kevin Harwood were like, but how did he know he was going to score against the Panthers defense? That's what's embarrassing about it. How dare you? <laughs> I think we know the answer to that one. Um, did, now, is the guy an NFL employee? Did you see it? NFL UK. His shirt said NFL on it. Yes. And then, so that's why it got posted to the NFL UK website. Yeah, it was up there for about uh, five minutes because I guess he cursed in the video or something. The NFL cannot be happy with that dude. If that dude works for the NFL UK, they might have sent his ass permanently back to the U. He might be covering the Premier League now. Because, <laughs> like, they can't be happy that he enabled that whole he was, thing, right? Because that was illegal. That was with a prop. That's a penalty. Yeah, flag, too, right? Yeah. yeah, but yeah, and yeah. He, so you have an NFL employee aiding him using a prop and breaking the rule. They can't be happy, of course, because they don't like fun at all, you know? Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. 
All right, Fitty, uh, Fort Mill, Matt says on the text line that you want that Madden Classic view, I guess talking about your offensive coordinator takes. Yeah, I mean, I, and I, I don't know why. I've just always been that way. And, like, when Walker was like, I don't really care. Like, I don't know. Me as a fan, like, I care. So, you know, I forget. Is, this, is, is he doing the same thing you just clowned him for doing? Like, no. Like having I was an opinion saying, or saying something, he's like, I don't really care. No, I mean, like for you, like you just don't care. Like, like for me, like whenever I find out my coaches don't want to be in the box, it annoys me. But now Big Cat Dan said he'd rather his defensive coordinator be on the field, which I guess if you want to get in, you know, do some hard school coaching, and you want to basically cuss them out. Maybe that makes sense, but I still prefer them to be up in the up in the box. I mean, Bill Walsh called plays from the field, and if I'm not mistaken, too, you're talking about the uh, the greatest show on turf, I believe, Mike Martz. You know, friend of the show, Mike Martz, offensive genius. <laughs> he Mike called Martz. plays from the field, and I believe when the Patriots had that undefeated season, Josh McDaniels was on the field as well. Well, so. I mean, let's just go to the head coach play callers. Yeah. I mean, if if you're well, to- that's different. Well, but there's they still have the view. Yeah, but they're still on the field and you know they what I'm do saying? a great job. So if we consider the best play callers in the NFL, Andy Reid, Mike McDaniel, McVay. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, they are head coaches for sure, but also they're on the sideline calling those plays. And so for me, it, I always thought you would get a better view up there. But here we are just naming the best play callers that also happen to be head coaches. I don't know where Ben Johnson is for Detroit. He's, He's on, on the, the field. field. Yeah. I mean, those are the best play callers in the game right now. Yeah. You didn't mention Mike McCarthy. Well, I didn't for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) You're so right. God bless you. Because I I do, I completely agree with you. Mike McCarthy, that game hurt my brain last night. (laughs) 91 number says Lincoln Riley coached on the sidelines while at East Carolina. I guess it is true. You learn something new every day. I never knew that Lincoln Riley was at East Carolina. Well, and even we can just go to Oklahoma and USC. Right yeah. now, he's on the sidelines because he's head coach. Yeah, I always remember because he was the offensive coordinator when Shane uh, was uh, Shane Carden was their quarterback, and he threw for like 700 yards and nine touchdowns. Mm-hmm. I've hated Lincoln Riley ever since. Yes, yeah, a lot of guys like that. Garrett Riley's on the sidelines, so you could just go up and down the list of guys. Some guys like to be in the booth, and some like to be on the sideline. But it's a great segue because. Uh, we're still talking about Thomas Brown taking over play calling duties. They give some anticipation, in my opinion, to their next game out of the bye week against the Texans. And so uh, when we talk about it, we heard some of the comments, some of the sound today. But just the question, how collaborative do you think the offense uh, will still be with Thomas Brown at the helm? I think it'll be real collaborative. I think what's going to happen is the only thing that changes is who deploys the play at whatever time they want to call them. It used to be Frank Reich, but Thomas Brown was working on that game plan the entire time. I think it'll be Thomas Brown now just deciding when to deploy those plays and also still coming up with what he wants to with Frank. Frank Reich's going to know what plays are in his arsenal. Imagine him calling something that Frank Reich had never seen before. It, it, if it works, great, but Frank is still going to want to say, hey, great play call, love it. Let's make sure I know about what's in your playbook before we actually deploy it on a Sunday because it is, after all, my job here. Like the head coach, he still has pressure to get this right because even if Thomas Brown doesn't get the offense fixed, one, that's going to hurt Frank Reich even more so, but I mean, Frank Reich still has a lot of pressure here. So, yeah, I still think it's going to be collaborative. It's just Thomas Brown deciding when to uh, allow these plays to go out there and uh, and Bryce Young to, to decide when to run them. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just the interesting question is, like you said, 
coming from the Rams, and we know some of the things that they'd like to do with either rock combinations, play actions, things of that nature, have there been some things that Thomas Brown has been wanting to do, but Frank Reich maybe felt like it wasn't the necessary time to do so. Maybe he doesn't feel like they have the requisite personnel to be able to do so, or maybe he just felt like it was too many bells and whistles uh, to be involved in the play. And so that's the thing that's going to be interesting is that I'll put a number on it and said about four to five plays. How many plays will look different with Thomas Brown in there to where you can tell? Like, we think about it, we were talking about Shroppy making beats, right, and talking about producers. And then with some producers, we talked about tags that they put on their tracks. Where am I going with this, Wes? I say all that to say that back in the day, producers didn't have tags. You knew, you could tell listening to a track for about 20 to 30 seconds who did it because they had a signature sound. And so I say all that to say we've seen what we've seen from Frank Reich, but what are those four to five plays in a game, maybe even more, that we sit back and say, oh, that's what Thomas Brown brings to the table. This is what he's planning to do with this offense. And so that's the thing I'm very intrigued to see. When will you get those plays like you talked about in some of your first take Tuesday selections? Some of those plays that you saw from the Dolphins where you were like, wow, that's either something I don't see often or something I haven't seen at all. And so that's what I can't wait to see what is going to differentiate Thomas Brown and his way of doing things from Frank Wright. All right. So real Tar Heel writes in on the text line. Walker, didn't Frank say that he wasn't going to micromanage Thomas? Yeah, I don't think he is going to micromanage him. I think it's going to be it's going to be Thomas Brown's play calling duties on the, once we get to Sunday. It's going to be his world. It is. But these guys are going to collaborate throughout the week. They're going to come up with a game plan every single week and Frank Reich's going to know about it. They're going to know about the plays they work on in practice. It seems like the reason to hand the duties off to Thomas Brown is for Frank Reich to be able to oversee everything else that's going on and he can pay attention to personnel. You don't forget Terrace Marshall Jr. anymore. So, all right, you're on the sideline. Hey, we haven't seen TMJ in a while. We need to get TMJ in on the field. Let's have him in this department or whatever. I look, I've gone to this example a couple times. I remember Ron Rivera talking about all of the responsibilities that you have every single Sunday. He's like, man, being the head coach, you got to decide what Gatorade flavor is going to be in those jugs. There's a lot to get to. So Frank Reich paying more attention to that rather than worrying too much about what play is going to be deployed at each time. I think that's a a good thing for Frank Reich on an 0-6 football team. And I don't think he's going to micromanage Thomas Brown, yet he's still going to know what is in the arsenal for Brown to choose from. Uh, Yeah, I think he is going to give Thomas Brown some autonomy to be able to do what he wants to do. I think at this point, man, they're playing with house money. Obviously, you don't want to continue to take losses, but I think at this point, man, there's not a lot of pressure involved as far as, man, if if we lose this game, this is going to happen, or these types of implications are on this matchup. I think he's going to really let Thomas Brown come out and show what he could do. At least that's what I think he should do, but I think that he will. And if you call him brilliant, and if you say how uh, you're blown away by what he's capable of doing, I don't think that requires a lot of micromanagement. I think that Bryce and Thomas Brown will collaborate together, talk about what he likes, what he doesn't like, and he's going to try to suit that game plan around number nine. And then I think he's going to go by Frank at 
you know, whatever point in the week when they decide to meet about it. And if there's something Frank feels like that's egregious that may not work at all, maybe they have some conversations about that. But for the most part, I think this is going to be uh, Thomas Brown and Bryce Young's show together to see what they can cook up. 100%. You can text in on your thoughts. Again, 704-570-9610. And I, I know people are calling Frank Reich a control freak. I don't get that sense. Most coaches are. Well, yeah, I don't. It seems like they're discussing it being an extra level here with Reich. This is someone that has called plays wherever he's been, really. I mean, with the Indianapolis Colts for so long, he was the guy calling the plays there. So that's why I, I can't imagine, really, when Wright gets this job, if you want him, because you wanted an offensive mind, and that's why you decide to let go of Steve Wilkes, if you're David Tepper and you're the Panthers organization, then you probably did have the plan in place for Frank Reich to call plays pretty immediately. I know they're going with this whole, it was always the plan to hand over the reins to Thomas Brown at some point. I believe that. Ain't no way you can make me believe that it was supposed to happen after six games because we would have had a lot more questioning if they came out with that, right? Right. Can you imagine if, yeah, you know, the plan is for me to call the plays up until week six, and then once we hit that bye, that's when we're going to hand it all over to Thomas Brown. What? (laughs) I, I, I hear you. If you are to do this, then there is reason to believe that this time makes sense because the bye is important. That makes sense to me. But if you're going to come into the season saying week six, we were always going to change play call. How many times has that happened? I would love to know without some mayday situation. Oh, and six is as bad as you could possibly get. We didn't think they'd be zero and six. We knew that beating the Lions and the Dolphins was going to be really hard, but we didn't know they were going to be zero and six. That's awful. The offense has been maybe the worst in the league. So despite that happening, or you're saying anything other than that, you still would have given these play calling duties to Thomas Brown. I can't buy that. Yeah. It just doesn't make any sense when you try to bring that plan to me in the off season, because the, the plan should be at least to play some 500 football plan should be to win as many games as possible. And if the plan is playing out as you want it to, he's like, all right, well, you know, now we're going to hand it off. Thomas Brown. Now you're up. Can, can you make that make sense? I can't. So that, that's why I can't buy any of this, especially with Frank Reich calling the plays wherever he's been in any position of authority. Yeah, and uh, Shroppy from the side studio, I would imagine, asked if Thomas Brown's play calling drastically improves his offense. How much does that boost his stock as a potential coach in the near future? I mean, of course it is. I mean, teams are always going to look for the next big thing, and the flavor of the day in the NFL is hiring the young offensive mind if Thomas Brown uh, fits that mold, and I think that's the direction they go. But I think just... Having that question in my brain right now makes me think that what if he does come in and elevates this offense, but you feel like you don't want to lose him? Could it be potential of Thomas Brown, uh, you know, maybe becoming the head coach of this team if he really does something great with the offense? Right. Just something for an alternate universe to think about. I Maybe not too alternate. I mean, because I think in this universe, you're talking about at the end of the season, Frank Reich being fired, right? Like, in, at least in that position, if things go horribly, horribly wrong and we continue to see this, it would be tough to see a scenario where Thomas Brown is successful and Frank Reich being fired. That's what you're saying. Yeah. You know, because that means the football team is playing better. Mm-hmm. And so if we are to go along the narrative that this was Frank Reich's call and that this was always the plan, then it would be in part because of Frank Reich that this team turned it around. 
And so if it is in part because of Frank Reich that this team turned it around after the bye, and then you want to fire him, that wouldn't make any sense either. Yeah. So this is why I do think if Thomas Brown is successful as the play caller, then that means we'll probably see another season of Frank Reich. It, it doesn't mean, I guess, they're going to win a ton more games. It, the, the bar is really low. You're still going to lose games, and the offense could look better. That can absolutely happen. But the odds are, if the offense looks a lot better, you'll probably squeak out a few more victories here and there. They're going to look better than what you did in the first six games, and therefore you're probably, for stability's sake, holding on to your head coach and your offensive coordinator. All right, so now we remember last year when Steve Wilkes took over, there were some guys who hadn't been playing as much that ended up getting some playing time and making the most of those opportunities. And you talk about guys like Deontay Foreman and Terrence Marshall and some of those guys. So could there be potential here with Thomas Brown coming in, maybe having different philosophies, different ways of attacking defenses, that there could be some players that could benefit from him stepping in that maybe he sees not necessarily that he thinks that they're not being used right under Frank Reich. And he's just waiting to usurp that type of authority, but just a guy that maybe he can see, all right, maybe if I try him this way, maybe he could flourish with what I want to do. Is there a guy on this offense right now that you could see breaking out under Thomas Brown? It's hard because we don't, we've never seen Thomas Brown call plays before. Yeah. It really, the most logical thing to me would be to look at the Rams offense. Okay, if you think that there's a heavy influence from Sean McVay on Thomas Brown, then we got to go watch the Rams offense. So maybe you're talking about some wide receivers getting in space a lot more. That would be interesting to me. Throwing the football to your running backs a little bit more. We saw that when they had a stud like Todd Gurley. You know, they would throw the ball to Daryl Henderson a little bit, C.J. Anderson when he was there for the postseason run. So maybe you're seeing the running back get involved a little more in the pass game. Tight ends have never truly flourished there with the Rams. They did with Frank Reich, and Hayden Hurst wasn't doing much, despite Frank Reich being the head coach. So I don't know if this is some kind of savior for Hayden Hurst to be more productive out there in the football field if we were to pick up what we've seen from the Rams offense. It's hard, but that's the best thing we can go off of. The best thing I could say is maybe Miles Sanders turns it around a little bit because he's not going to get 0% of the snaps. Hopefully we see Chuba Hubbard run between the tackles a lot more than Miles. But I do think Miles is still a better route runner out of the backfield than Chuba is. I do think he's probably a better receiver despite some of the bad numbers he posted in Philly. They just would go different ways. If they would just, they have so many weapons in Philly, they would go with Kenneth Gainwell, who was a receiver in college. And so, I still think Miles is a little better in Chuba than Chuba in that regard. Miles Sanders is the guy that comes to mind, especially with a former running back that Thomas Brown is. Maybe that's the answer I could see. We see an uptick in his production. Yeah, for me, uh, and James from Concord, he says Hayden Hurst could be a candidate for that to happen. He talked about how much he used Tyler Higby in L.A. Uh, I think a guy that could stand to have some upgrades is a guy like Jonathan Mingo. Now, I'm not sure that like we talked about with Bryce Young, how they said that they would uh, simplify the offense for him and things of that nature. And so maybe Thomas Brown gets in there and just simplifies things for Mingo. I don't know if they've already done that or what, but maybe this is a candidate, a young guy that he sees, uh, you know, if I just get him started, maybe get him some early touches in the game with some simple stuff, then kind of 
move him up as the game goes along with some of the more intricate things, then maybe this is the guy that we could see start to make plays as well. Yeah, and perhaps I downplayed the tight end position a little more. Like, I know they had Tyler Higby. I actually didn't realize he had 69 receptions in 2019, but even more so just last year, if you want to go to 2022. He had 72 receptions in 17 games. He had 620 yards, so not a lot of downfield passing attack with your tight end. But, I mean, I'll take 600 yards from Hayden Hurst or something on pace. If you're giving me, what, something like 30, 40 yards a game? That's what Higby had last year, 36 and a half. That's very serviceable from that position. So I, I could see that maybe a little bit more so. Maybe I shouldn't have downplayed the tight end position as much. The thing is, if you go back to last year, Cooper Cup was the featured target. They were thrown to Higby out of necessity, but that could be copy and pasted here because it's not like they got a lot of targets outside of Adam, Th- Adam Thielen. So maybe I downplayed that too much. Maybe Hurst is somebody that could benefit. Yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see and how he's going to use this offense. And if there will be some breakout candidates, I think the fans would certainly welcome that, especially if it is uh, a guy like Jonathan Mingo. That would give more hope for the future and uh, fill a position that, the Panthers feel like that they need to find that number one guy for the future. You can hear Wes and Walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three. Sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. This Tyler Dunn guy seems pretty sharp. Well, he is. He is. He grew up a he grew up a Charlotte Hornets fan. He's a Coulter Wall fan. As we play a little uh, sleeping on the blacktop, coming back right there, and he's really good at writing about football. Also, pretty good at CrossFit, I think, based on his Instagram post. He's back with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Tyler Dunn on Twitter, by the way, or X or whatever at Ty Dunn. Uh, he's got a piece out, quarterbacks of the future, over at GoLongTD.com uh, that takes a look in part at Panthers rookie quarterback Bryce Young. Tyler Dunn, how the hell you been, man? Oh man, what an intro! Thanks so much, Kyle. It is always good to uh, to join you. If nothing else, we get a little culture wall action. So that was awesome. I love Here. it. I love it. Love it. Yep. Good have you to been have you any back. shows lately, <laughs> dude? I've got two under two and a third kid due in January. I don't have a social life. What are you talking about? <laughs> we've we've got four four years old, two years old, and I'm getting heavy pressure from the wife on number three. I've been uh, resistant to this point, so. Maybe we should spend 15 minutes you trying to convince me to go to number three. Oh, I, well, I'm not going to do that, but uh, I will say you should do it. Just go just go and do it, Tyler. Get it over with. She wants it. So anyway, um, let's start with this because I love the work that you're doing at GoLongTD.com. Um, I'm a reader. I grew up a reader, and so I love long-form journalism anyway, but especially long-form sports journalism. Uh, just for anybody out there in my, my Charlotte audience or broader who's not familiar with GoLongTD.com, why should they visit the site? Oh, I appreciate that. You know, I just really felt like most 
NFL coverage, you know, that's mainstream, at least in the written form. It's gone very uh, piecemeal, fast food, you know, 140 characters or less, just uh, in and out, you know, Instagram posts, basically. And I've always loved it, the long form, from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel days covering the Packers, Buffalo News covering the Bills, and then being at Bleach Report doing the whole NFL. I've just always gravitated towards sitting down with the player, you know, for a profile or kind of getting the, getting the fingernails dirty and, and seeing how this game really works behind the scenes beyond what's projected at a press conference, which is pretty sanitized. So if you want real pro football, how this thing really works, and, and some humanizing profiles, uh, go along TD.com. You can subscribe right there, get, get all the stories. And we've got three podcasts, too. I, I do one with Bob McGinn who's covered the NFL since the 70s. He's in the Hall of Fame. Uh, one with Brett Favre, who uh, obviously is Brett Favre. Mm-hmm. And then one with Jim Monis, uh, who has been in NFL front offices for two decades. So we try to get every get every box checked here. What's it like doing a podcast with Brett Favre? <laughs> it's, it's something else. I tell you what, man. He's, he's got stories for days. Uh, it's unplugged, unfiltered. The good, the bad, the ugly. You know, I think he played the sport how we all would love to play it if we were in his position, right? Just the true love and passion for the game. And you know, all of his scars are there for all to see. And he doesn't hold back on, on anything. I mean, he was just talking about getting addicted to pain pills last week and, and how he would really – he almost drank his way out of the league while he's winning MVPs. He'd go on three, four-day benders. and It's just insane that he's playing as well he was early in his career – when he just didn't know how to stop. And obviously a question comes up, his Mississippi case, it's damning, obviously. There is a lot that he'd love to say. There's a gag order in place. But even to that point, um, he has touched on that, and and we won't shy from it. So, um, yeah, it's it's definitely illuminating every other week talking to Brett. Awesome, awesome. Tyler Dunn, golongtd.com, talking about his podcast with Brett Favre. How many people can say that? Uh, He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. So let's get to it. You've got a great piece out, quarterbacks of the future. We are closely monitoring um, the progress of young Bryce Young here. That was redundant. Uh, Bryce Young here. Um, and, and look, there's split opinion. I, I got to be honest with you. I'm in the camp that I've seen a lot of good things, and I think there's a lot of chaos around him right now, to, to say nothing of a, of a play calling change already. Um, and then there are others who think, no, he's already revealed that he's too small. He's too this. He can't play in the NFL. I'll ask you, Tyler Dunn, do you think that uh, Bryce Young can play in the NFL at an elite level? Hell yeah. I think that Bryce Young, if we're having this conversation one year from now, I wouldn't be surprised if we're talking about Bryce Young as one of the 12 best quarterbacks in football. Now, how do we get to that point? I think the Carolina Panthers are already doing everything they can. And I talked to somebody in the organization fairly high up, um, as we reported in that story. And if people want to get it in full, they can check it out. Uh, but there is some angst. I think that some in the organization are a little not a little, are very disturbed by these game plans Frank Reich has put together by the play calling. Look, I just spent a week with the Houston Texans uh, talking to people about C.J. Stroud, Robert Woods, Bobby Sloak, their their offensive coordinator. They scheme guys open, right? They're finding specific weaknesses in individual players. If your linebacker doesn't get right to his hook zone, they're going to take advantage of it, right? And C.J. Stroud, just he knows, all right, that window's closed. I'm going to the next one. And he's really dang good on his own right. But let's face it, Bobby Slowick comes from that Kyle Shanahan tree where they've got answers for everything, and everything's on time. He hits the back foot right when that receiver's getting out of his break. Boom, the ball's out. It's going where it needs to go. So I think that 
there's those in the Panthers organization like, all right, what, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> Starting with the owner, David Tepper. And look, I know he's catching a lot of grief, um, but I'll tell you this. If I bought a team for $2.2 billion, whatever it was, and, and we didn't win a game, I'd walk into that room saying what the hell is going on, too. <laughs> well, I, I'm with you on that. And I, I said, even if you don't like David Tepper, um, you have to acknowledge that if you were a billionaire who owned a football team and you were a big football fan on top of that, I bet you'd be you'd have the urge to be involved or at least be in the room <laughs> and maybe comment every once in a while. So at the, on a human level, I do understand that when it comes to David Tepper. But l- let's back up to something you said a minute ago, though, um, because with Stroud, you know, I, I admittedly, I don't think I watch film like you do. I, I try to watch the game with a keen, critical eye, but I think a lot of us do. But I think you're really good at it. And so early on in the season, when I'm watching Houston and I'm saying to myself and to the audience, man, it just looks like everything they do is light years better than what Carolina is doing right now offensively. And it's not like Bryce Young apologist stuff. That That's accurate, right? Their, their, their offense in Houston is light years ahead of what we're doing here right now. Night and day. I mean, it's very old school with Frank Reich and not, not to bash him. Like he's been a good coach. He was hired for a reason. I mean, I live here in Buffalo. They could build statues for Frank Reich. Um, but I, the, the person I talked to said, look, we, we just kind of run our offense per se. We just kind of run our plays. If they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. There's not a lot of game planning, not a lot of targeting weaknesses, not a lot of like two, three answers baked into a play. It's just, you know, okay, here's what we're doing. And, and I think what makes it tougher for Bryce Young on top of that, he, and he's so smart, right? He had the 98% on the S2. C.J. Stroud had the 18%, as our Bob McGinn reported in that draft series. And we, we can get to that, too, if you want it a little bit. But it's like it's almost like a blessing and a curse for Bryce Young. He's so smart that he can handle all this at the line of scrimmage. But it's almost like, you know, he's, what, 21, 22? You're asking a, a dude to handle all of that? and be himself, and be that magician we saw at Alabama, kind of slithery in the pocket, getting out of jams, making the big play. I don't know. I mean, just just grip it and rip it, right? Go up-tempo. You saw some of that in that Detroit game, and they're down 28-7. That was vintage Bryce Young for a little stretch there. Like, just go no huddle. Like, just, just don't ask him to set all the protections and make all the checks and, and think about too much out there. You, you invested too much. Right, you gave up all those picks. You gave up DJ Moore to get him. Now you're looking for your own DJ Moore. It's just, it doesn't make any sense to make it harder for Bryce Young as a rookie. And I think that's what the Panthers are doing. They've made it harder for him. So uh, good on you know them as an organization changing it up here. Does does the change in play calling to Thomas Brown do anything for you? It can't hurt. Uh, I don't know much about Thomas Brown. Admittedly, I, I don't know his his background what he'll do different, uh, but, but it can't hurt. You know, they, they had to do something, and I think, it, I think it's a good thing, and it kind of puts everybody on notice. Um, pressure can be, can be a good thing at this point, right? Their they're, they're season's getting away from the Carolina Panthers. So you, you, can't just, you can't just wave a magic wand and find uh, a bona fide wide receiver one right now. You can't just find another offensive guard this second. Now you get Austin Corbin back, so that's going to help. But I think a really good point that Josh Lucas made in our story, and he was a a scout with the New Orleans Saints and then the director of personnel with the Chicago Bears. I mean, he was with the Saints in Drew Brees' heyday. And I I never really thought of it this way, but, but, you know, Brees was, what, an inch taller than Bryce Young, a little thicker, but similar body type. He said, we always made a point to pay up for the guards, for Jari Evans, Carl Nix, had really good interior line play. He's at the tackles. 
you know, what everybody else is usually spending their money on, he, he can just kind of brush those guys away. He needed a pocket he could step up into as a shorter quarterback as opposed to a left tackle who's going to maybe shut down that premier edge rusher. That He wasn't worried about that edge rusher. He needed a pocket to step into. I think that for Bryce Young, that should be paramount, too, for the front office. Tyler Dunn, golongtd.com. He's got a piece out, Quarterbacks of the Future. Uh, and it's a great read, taking a look at Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson. Uh, check it out, golongtd.com. By the way, what's Bri- what does Brett Favre think about Bryce Young? High or low opinion? You, we've got to ask him. You know what? I don't, I don't think he's come. He didn't come up one time. Now that you've mentioned it, yes, he does like him. He made a point to say he likes Bryce Young's game. So, mm. uh, for what it's worth, and he... You know, one thing that, that Favre mentioned on our last show, he said that, you know, these quarterbacks that have a special quality to them, you've got to just let them be themselves. You, you can't try to put too much in their heads and say, don't do this, do that. You just got to kind of let them cook, for the lack of a better verb, right? And if you do that, good things are going to happen. Right? Barry Sanders is going to stop on a dime and go the other direction as a running back. He might just stop for an eight-yard loss. But more often than not, he might get an 80-yard gain. So I, I just I hope that they maximize a special player in Bryce Young. Love it, love it. Now, two quick things, I'll let you go. So that I am not accused of you know only slanting this interview toward the, the positive or whatever the Bryce Young haters will tell me I'm doing as a result of this conversation. Um, <laughs> what are the legitimate concerns and criticisms of Bryce Young as far as you see them? Oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, as, as much as I kind of like him and the possibilities here, the size... It could be a fatal flaw. I mean, because Russell Wilson was shorter, but Russell Wilson had, what, an extra 15, 20 pounds on him. Where Bryce Young, you know, he measured out pretty well at the combine, but uh, he was definitely putting on some some baby fat there to, to, to make that number look a little better than it actually was. He's thinner, he's frailer, and, you know, Lamar Jackson is able to just be this electrifying weapon outside of the pocket to avoid the rush. Uh, Josh Allen is just going to shrug guys off. You know, Bryce Young's got some improvisational ability, but there could be concern. Like, is it elite? Like, is he really able when there's pressure and that pocket's muddy? Is is the is the athleticism elite? The speed, the strength isn't there. Is he just going to kind of disappear in in the pocket? I think it's a legitimate concern, and I think that's why they have to kind of follow that breeze blueprint and pay up for the guards. Do everything you can to give him that depth of pocket, and obviously find. Uh, number one receiver. Those, those, those are a lot of ifs. So if you're a cynic, a skeptic, you, you're, it's justifiable to be a little worried that, you know, the Panthers can in one, two years address all of these needs because, you know, ideally, and here's, here's the third thing, right, Kyle? I mean, what if the wheels fall off? What if they win one game this year? Um, they probably are looking for another coach. I mean, we've seen one and done coaches. So, Maybe that's what he needs, too. Maybe he does need somebody plucked from that tree. I think that's why it's a good move to have somebody else call him plays. At least it sends a message to everybody. Like, we got to get this thing figured out or people are going to be fired. Listen, brother, I've kept you long enough. I could keep asking you questions because it's so much fun. But we'll do it again soon. Thank you for the time. Any day, any time, man. Thanks so much for having me, Kyle. You've tuned into Instant Replay. When the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.